I did. Um, yes, hello. Um, my name is Jeff, as Ian said. Yeah. Um, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be with you all. Um, yes, and as you all know, you all know the drill. It's, it's story time with Jeff. Yeah. Um, I love telling stories about myself when I was younger because I can't tell any stories about when I'm older. Um, so, all you get is past Jeff. But, anyway, uh, this uh, particular story comes from when I was a junior in college. <laughs> no, not that story. Um, different, different day uh, for that. But, I was walking, um, I was an engineering major, and I was, it was the first day of, it was the first day of classes for my junior year, first day of the semester, and as I was on my way, um, I, I got a little paranoid and I was like, you know, just to make sure I'm going to the right building and I'm, this is where I'm supposed to be, I'm going to just get on eCampus and just check to make sure that I'm going to the right place. I checked the day before and the day before that, but just to make sure nothing had changed, I got on eCampus and decided to make sure that this is where I was supposed to go. So, as I pulled up eCampus and started to make, to, to make sure that I was going to the right place, I realized that I didn't have class that day. And then, I also realized that I don't have class the next day either. And if you're realizing the trend, I didn't have any classes for the whole semester. Because I had been dropped from my classes by the university. So, I'm not exactly sure why I was dropped from all my classes, but I do know one thing for sure, and that it was definitely my fault. Um, yeah, so, but one of my first thoughts when, um, that crossed my mind when I learned that I had been dropped from all my classes was, well, I didn't like my major that much anyway. So, I fixed, um, I went to an advisor, fixed the problem, changed my classes, uh, well, got a new schedule, changed my major from mechanical engineering to psychology. Yeah, big, big switch. And it all worked out. Um, I loved psychology, and a few years later, I got a very expensive piece of paper. So, it was all good. And as you all know, we, no, no picture, not this time, forgive me, sorry to disappoint, but we are in a series called Letters. So, <laughs> series, series, same thing. Um, we are in a series called Letters, and this is the last week, um, someone said earlier, this is the last week that we will be in Philippians, but I just want to encourage all of you to be reading this on your own, to be in your small groups, and just to be discussing the books as we go through them so that you can learn as a community 
and not just hear the little bits and pieces from our sermons and what you get from the stage. So, the first verses that I want to look at tonight are Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Sorry. All of these things that Paul talks about in this verse are good things. You will have a very hard time convincing me or anyone else that these things are bad. A lunatic would say something to the sort of, oh yeah, like, true things are, they're just bad things. Um, that is just, it just doesn't make sense. That's something that a crazy person would say. Also, something a crazy person would say is, pizza owls is good. Um, and just every, every single time, I gotta, I gotta bash it, just at least once. But yeah, all of these things are good things. Admirable means deserving respect and approval, and there's just nothing in my mind or in anybody else's, hopefully, that will tell you that these things are bad. True things, pure things, right things are all good. In fact, the verse itself even says that these things are excellent and praiseworthy. So... Even though it's obvious that these things are good, I just, wanted, um, I just wanted to put an emphasis on it and point it out that these things are good because of the next verse that I want to share with you. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect thing is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Again, we see mention of good things. And now we get to see the source from which these good things flow. God, our Father, is the provider of these good things. And you may think to yourself, of course, you know, these things are good, and of course God, who is good, is going to give us good things. He's good, so logically, all of this makes sense. But I wanted us all to kind of come to this place, and I wanted us all to come here together because I want to lay a little bit of groundwork so that everything else that I say tonight has the proper context. And let us look again at Verse 9 and what, what Paul says in it. He says, Whatever you have learned or received 
or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Paul is speaking to the Philippians and he is saying that they must put into practice everything that they have seen in him, everything that they have learned from him with just the time that he spent with them and also the letter that he's writing them, he is telling them to not just listen to what, he has ha- what he's had to say, but do the things that he has told them to do, to imitate him in everything that he's done and to live a life like Paul has lived. And I believe that if there was one thing that Paul really wanted to get across to the Philippians, if there was one thing that he really wanted them to learn, it would be to rejoice in the Lord. And the reason I say this is because he constantly, in his letter to the Philippians, tells them to rejoice. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. He says, it is my joy. He says, I rejoice in the Lord. It is very much littered through the letter and seems to be the theme. There are 14 mentions of joy and rejoicing in his letter. That is, it's just, it's just four short chapters, so it's very densely um, spread throughout the book. 14 times, it's, it's quite a lot. And with so many mentions of it, it seems safe to say that this is something that Paul wanted for the Philippians, but also it's something that we are to desire for ourselves. We are to rejoice in the Lord. And I feel like this is a phrase that just kind of gets tossed around a lot um, in Christian circles and Christian context. And I just, tonight, I just want to make I just want it to be clear what this means and also how to live it out. And I think that the way that we go about this is applying Philippians 4.8 to our lives. Choosing daily to think about the things of the Lord and constantly setting in the forefront of our minds the person of Jesus. Seeking the fully pure things seeking the fully noble things, seeking the fully right things of life. Reveling in Jesus and the excellent and good things that he has made and given so graciously to us. And I believe this is when true joy can come into your life. Whenever you make the conscious decision to choose joy, over everything else. And it only comes when you choose it. So let us follow in the command of Paul and choose joy. And with it, we must begin to understand where this joy comes from. Psalm 16.2 says, I say to the Lord, 
You are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. It must come from something outside of ourselves. Nothing innately within us can produce the matters mentioned in Philippians 4.8. Because just as James 1.17 says, every good thing is from the Father. So therefore, nothing in us can produce a good thing. In saying all that, I believe that joy is a person. And joy is the person of Jesus Christ. What looks like lived out is to say, Jesus, you are the one who I decide to put my hope in. It is the day in and day out decision to say, Jesus, you are bigger and better than anything else that I can think of or anything else in my life currently. You are above my school. You are above my job. You are above my friendships. And deciding to focus on him and the good things that are from him that he provides to us. And also looking in this, there are some things that are similar to choosing joy, but are not quite it. And I want to talk about that because I don't want us to settle for the counterfeit and therefore rob ourselves of the real. So firstly, I want to say that choosing joy isn't just being happy. Um, happiness is an emotion, and just like all other emotions, happiness is temporary. And if we determine to live our lives in the pursuit of happiness, although it seems like something that is good and something that is to be desired, living life in the pursuit of happiness robs it of its meaning. Because once you get that, there's nothing else. There's nothing else to do. If that is, if that is your goal, once you achieve it, that's all that life has to offer. But life should, be, life should have more meaning than just chasing a feeling. Emotions have no weight to change us because they are passing. And secondly, Choosing joy isn't just being carefree. It isn't singing Hakuna Matata, kicking off your shoes, and just saying, yeah, this is, this is cool. I got nothing to do. I have no, I have no worries. I have no cares. Um, whenever I think of the word carefree, hippie also tends to come to mind. Um, and truly thinking about it, looking back at my story, of me being dropped from all my classes, I was, was being carefree. And I wasn't truly exemplifying what choosing joy looks like. Now, I'm not saying that I was a hippie. Um, they just, I just think about both of those things. But they don't, a hippie really doesn't have any cares, but not because they have joy, just because they have nothing to care about. 
And lastly, choosing joy isn't just ignoring our problems and ignoring our difficulties that life may throw at us. When we know this because when we look at Paul's life, especially um, his setting when he writes this letter, we see that he is writing from a prison, just as um, Timothy, wherever he's at, he typically sits around there. Oh, I can't see you up there. But yeah, just as he mentioned, Paul was in prison um, when, he wrote, when he wrote this letter. And he wasn't in denial about his place in life. He doesn't wish and hope to be in a different place. Despite his circumstances, Paul chose joy. There will always be negative circumstances and negative situations in your life. And I even wrote down a list of some things that have happened to me that I would consider unfortunate. And I was going to, this is the part right here where I was going to go into it, and I was going, I was going to share some of the things that have happened. But as I was, I was preparing earlier today, it just, it just didn't seem right to say these things. I realized that going through this list and just spouting off negative things that have happened to me, that I would be going against the things that I am saying in the sermon, in this message. I would be highlighting the negative and putting my focus on that. And instead of doing that, I decided to, to tell you why I'm not going to do it. But I decided not to do it because they are not my life. They are just my circumstances. And Paul recognized this. He realized that his circumstances do not determine his life. And for all of us, it's the same thing. Your circumstances do not determine your life. They do not determine your joy either. And your eyes, your eyes can be on your circumstances, on the things around you. You can choose to live in the negative and dwell on everything bad that's ever happened to you, or you can choose joy. Your eyes can be on the truth. Your eyes can be on the just. Your eyes can be on the lovely. They can be on the person of Jesus Christ. You can set your mind to the things talked about in Philippians 4.8. And you can choose daily to just revel in who Jesus is and the good things that he has given us. Because you do not get to choose your circumstances and you do not get to choose your position in life, but 
you do get to choose joy. Um, the band can come back up. There's one last thing that I want to say tonight. And it's that choosing joy isn't proactive or reactive. It isn't saying, oh, I have, a really, I have a really tough week ahead of me, so I better start walking in joy now so when that time comes, it'll be better. And it, isn't, it also isn't reactive saying, oh, okay, I look around and I see that this isn't like the best situation, so now is the time that I'm going to choose joy. It is simply active, meaning that you must do it every day because if you don't do it every day, then life isn't, it isn't what it's supposed to be walking with Jesus. If you don't choose joy day in and day out, then your life has less meaning and it also has It just has, it's just more bleak and it's more grand. When Jesus called us to live a, joy, a joyful life with him, it, your life can be full and your life can be joyful, but only if you constantly choose joy. If you constantly choose the person of Jesus Christ to be what you focus on and what you get out of life. Paul knew what it was like to be in need, and he also knew what it was like to have plenty. He knew life inside of a prison cell, and he also knew life outside of it. But what Paul knew most of all was how to rejoice in the Lord. He set his eyes not on him, not on anything around him, but he set his eyes on something higher and something much more meaningful. And guys, that is, that is what I want us to do tonight, is just to see where we are putting our focus and see where we need to shift it if there needs to be one. Because it's so easy, it's so easy to pick out the negative and it's so easy to just look around us and see, oh, this thing is going bad or this thing is going bad. But we constantly need to have our eyes on Jesus and we constantly need to be choosing joy because life isn't meant to be dreary and life isn't meant to be suffered through. It is meant to be lived to the fullest with joy. Jesus, I just want to thank you for, thank you for tonight, and thank you for giving your son to us, that we can
that we can just sit at your feet and just have our cares melt away. God, thank you that you are bigger than ourselves. Thank you, God, that you are bigger than our circumstances. God, I just pray that tonight we put our hope in you and we come back once again to, to you. God, just thank you for everything that you've done for us. And God, I just pray that we are able to see these things as we go about our day. Amen.